This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we are, Biblical Prophecy, making sense of this crazy world, and we're going to finish up Daniel chapter 1 today, and the title is No Compromise. And we saw last time how Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stood up to the peer pressure that they were facing. It's not easy to do. Peer pressure makes us do some crazy things. Uh, my remember <clears throat> great story of peer pressure and making it do something crazy. I re some of you may have remember this story, but a lot of you didn't hear it. It was when growing up on the farm, and I always wanted a BB gun. Really, really wanted a BB gun because I watched all the cowboy movies and I carried my wooden gun around and fought many battles and really wanted a BB gun. But my mom had a rule that you had to be 11 to get a BB gun. So my brother Billy, who was 15 months older than me, turned 11 when I was still 9, almost 10. And he gets the BB gun for his birthday, and oh, I was so jealous. I just wanted to be able to shoot that BB gun like Billy was shooting the BB gun. I would follow him everywhere as he walked around with the BB gun. I said, Billy... Billy, can I, uh, can, I can I hold your gun? He goes, nope, you're not 11 yet. You can't hold it, you know, but you can look at it. You know, he was just like, you know, he just really rubbed it in. He really rubbed it in. He knew what he was doing. And so one day, but my mom had a rule. She said, you, can, you can't shoot any animals or birds near the barns or house. Any bird or animal near the barns or house are in my preserve, my protected preserve. You have to go out in the woods, in the fields, if you want to shoot something. And she knew what she was doing because there's no way we're going to shoot a, something in the woods or in the field because those are wild animals. The ones around the house were pretty tame. They were used to people and used to all of us. And, and they didn't really fly away or run away that much. They were all, you know, somewhat tame. And so here we are. And Billy and I, I'm following Billy around. He can't shoot anything, can't get anything. <clears throat> no matter what he does, he can't get anything. So... Um, but, so we're just kind of shooting at cans and he was shooting at cans and I'm watching him do it, living vicariously through Billy and his BB gun. And, and one day we were walking by the corn crib. Now the corn crib was this really a kind of a cage. It was like a, a giant cage with a tin roof on it, huge. And the corn would come in the top, then it would close it and it would fill up with corn. But there always was some corn inside there, which some of the birds like to get to. And one day we were walking by and I saw a morning dove in the corn crib. And it was trapped. It had got into the corn crib, but it couldn't figure out how to get out of the corn crib. It was trapped. A huge morning dove. And I remember going to Billy and saying, Billy, Billy, get your BB gun. Get your BB gun. We got something we're going to be able to get. Come and get it. Come and get it. And he says, okay. And he comes running out with the BB gun. I go, where is it? I go, it's in the corn crib. It's a morning dove in the corn crib. And he says, Oh no, no, Chucky, we can't, we can't shoot the morning dove in the corn crib. That's, you know what mom said? If, 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 uh, if I shoot that morning dove in the corn crib, she'll take my gun away. I go, come on, Bill, she'll never find out. Come on, Billy. Come on, you can get it. Just come and look at it, Billy. Just come and look at this morning dove trapped in the corn crib. And so Billy comes over and looks at it. And sure enough, it's flying around in the corn crib. Can't go anywhere. It's, it's definitely hittable. And so, he, uh, so he, he's like, I don't know. I go, come on, Bill, just, come on, Bill, just take a shot. Take a shot. Come on, Billy, you can get it. Just take a shot. I was so excited we could actually shoot something alive. And, and so Billy, Billy cr goes into that corn crib and he, he aims the gun and he shoots and he misses and it ricochets off that tin roof and comes back down and we're dodging BBs and he keeps missing it. 
And finally, I'm like, come on, Bill, you can get it. You can get it, Bill. And kept, you know, egging him on, uh, encourage, encouraging him. And so finally he hits the morning dove. But it's a, it's a, it's a, not a strong BB gun. It wasn't a, even a pump. It was just one lever action. It wasn't a pump, pump, pump. And, and so he hits it. So he just kind of hurt the wing. He stunned the wing and the thing kind of fluttering down on the ground. I'm like, you got it, Billy. You got it. But it just had a kind of a banged up wing. It was going to be fine still. But he's like, I got, you got it, Billy. You got it. And I go, shoot it again, Billy. Shoot it again. And so Billy goes over and he gets up really close. He's got the gun this far from the, bam, because he had to. And, and it, you know, got him and, and, uh, but didn't kill him because it's one lever, you know, not very strong at all. And so he, so he pumps it again and shoot, I go, shoot him again, Billy, shoot him again. You got him now, Billy. And here's Billy <clears throat> over this morning dove, shooting away, shooting away, shooting away, pumping, shooting. And now it's starting to fill up. There's all these little red marks where all the, you know, babies and blood is coming out. I'm not going to go into detail. But anyway, he, he's, he's shooting this thing over and over and over again. He's now in a frenzy. Now he don't have to say anything. But as he's shooting it, this morning dove, laying on its side, looks up with the saddest eyes I ever saw. And, and I'm watching Billy shoot this morning dove. And I felt tears start coming down my face. And, and I started to cry. And, and I, and I went out of the, out of the corn crib and started staggering over the lawn toward the house. And Billy didn't even know. Billy still shooting that morning dove, shooting that morning dove, cause it took a lot of BBs. And, and, and I go into the house and I'm crying and I'm crying. And, and my mom goes, what, what's the matter? What happened? What happened? I go, Billy shot a morning dove in the corn crib and he just keeps shooting it and shooting it and hurting it and shooting it. And I was crying. Just, <gasps> she grabbed my hand and she went storming out, out to the corn crib, dragging me along, stormed out to that corn crib, gets to the corn crib and there's Billy still shooting the BB gun, shooting the morning dove, shooting the morning dove, still pumping it up. It's almost dead now. And, and she comes in and she goes, Billy, Billy. And he, like, lightning bolt, because that was the voice we never wanted to hear, my mom's mad voice. And she goes, give me that BB gun! And she took it, and he goes, you'll never see this again! And she grabbed Billy now, and, and walked, you know, running, stormed up to the house, dragging Billy along, and I'm running behind, still crying, still crying. And, and she gets in, and oh boy, did she give it to Billy. She didn't, she didn't spank him, he was 11 by then. Uh, <clears throat> and my dad wasn't around. <clears throat> so, but, so she, but she laid in him. You will never see this gun again. I told you don't kill any of my birds and my animals. And, and, oh, she roasted Billy, ripped him up and down. And, and Billy just sat there taking it all, taking it all. And I was sitting there behind my mom crying and crying. And finally my mom goes out of the room and I went up to my brother Billy and I said, Billy, that was, that was really mean what you did to that morning dove. And Billy's just like taking it all. Then all of a sudden like the light goes out. He goes, wait a minute. You're the one who told me to shoot the morning dove. I go, I told you to shoot it, but I didn't say to kill it. Yeah. So, so, oh, he was mad at me after that. He was mad at me after that. But that's what peer pressure does to us. We'll do something we know we shouldn't do. We'll go along with something. We'll we'll do the craziest things, even shoot a poor little morning dove because we're being egged on. More, you know, peer pressure, and and we'll, we'll that's what we'll do. And I want you to listen 
Make sure you listen to last sermon because it was the big squeeze. We talked about peer pressure and, and the food and how Daniel resolved not to eat the, the, the Babylonian food. And I talked about how it's very important that we either resolve or we dissolve. We either resolve, we make up our mind, or we're going to dissolve spiritually. We talked about all that. And we're going to get to the whole point now here about the food and taking the stand. And this is called No Compromise. Daniel 1, 8 to 21, how to really stand against peer pressure. So let's pray. Father, we, we pray that as we finish up chapter 1 of Daniel, that this would really give us resolve to stand firm in our faith and, and stand firm in our stand for Jesus Christ and stand firm in the face of the pressures that we face in this world to compromise. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up here. <clears throat> we we talked about, uh, well, I'll read verse 8 first of all. 1 verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So we see that Daniel resolved not to compromise, no compromise. And this is positive peer pressure. Now, they were under all this peer pressure to give in to the Babylonians, but this is positive peer pressure. He, Daniel initiates this and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go along with him in a positive way. The three friends follow him in a positive direction. There can, peer pressure isn't all bad. Good peer pressure is very, very positive. And that's what we see here. Now, why would eating the Babylonian food defile Daniel and his three friends? All of them, all the, the young men from, from Israel. Why? Well, it wasn't kosher. It wasn't kosher. They weren't following the, the dietary law, laws that the Jews were given. Also, there was blood in the meat. And remember, they had to drain the blood out before they ate something. They left the blood in. It was considered delicacy in Babylon. And also, and the most important part, is they were, this food was sacrificed to idols. The meat was sacrificed to idols. And that's why they were in Babylon in the first place, because they had given into idolatry back in Israel, back in Judah. And that's why Daniel's like, no way, we're not going to give into idolatry. We're staying away from that. And the Babylonians were trying to make these young Israelite men like the Babylonians. They were already had to be impressed. It was a very impressive city. We talked about that last time. They're trying to break down their resistance to the Babylonian culture. And they're using food as one of the ways. The way that we all know the way to a man's heart is his stomach, right? Uh, so remember in Narnia, in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, how the evil queen was able to entice Edmund. How did she entice him? With a Turkish delight. She used Turkish delight to, to bring him into slavery. And that's exactly what this is a picture of. Well, that's what Narnia was a picture of, actually, of this. And it's a spiritual picture. Satan tries to develop our taste buds, our spiritual taste buds. He tries to develop them for the world. He tries to create a, a hunger, a thirst for the world. He wants us to go for spiritual fast food, which looks and tastes great, but it clogs our spiritual arteries. It, it hurts our, our heart. It's, it's really spiritual E. coli is what it does. And, and this is a picture of not eating the, the world's food. We're talking about, remember Old Testament physical picture of a New Testament spiritual reality? It's really a picture of not eating the world's food, eating what they're trying to shove down our throats. 
we see this on TV and on our phones and with our music and with the materialism and the philosophies and, and when we're on our computer and the cookies that pop up, they want us to click on those and, and they want us to all use CBD products now, you know, trying to shove this garbage down our throats. That's what the world is trying to do. The world will try to pressure us to eat its poison, to try its garbage, to eat it and to become one of us. If you want to be popular, you got to eat what we're eating. You got to believe what we're believing. You got to swallow what we're swallowing. If you want to get ahead, you're going to have to go along with the crowd, right? And, and it's, and it's, the world loves it, but it's to God, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. I remember growing up on the farm and I, we had dogs coming out of our ears. We you had five to 10 dogs at any given time. Love dogs. I always had my favorite dogs. And I just remember this one dog in particular. I just loved her so much. Her name was Puddles. Puddles, and you can guess why. When she was little, she left lots of puddles, so my mom just started calling her Puddles until she got house trained. And But she was the sweetest, most wonderful dog. I just love this dog. But whenever I would go out to the barn... And, you know, and, and we would let the cows out and I'd be cleaning up the, the, you know, we'd be running the gutter cleaner. Puddles would go into the gutter and start licking the most disgusting things possible in the gutter. And I'd be like, this is the same dog that licked my face and I petted and loved and hugged and, and I'd be, I'd be, Puddles, what are you doing? And she'd like, look at me like, I'm all sad. And she'd put her head down, ashamed and walk away. And, and the next day she'd be doing it again. It was disgusting. And if you think that Puddles had a problem, no, no. She's like every dog there is. Every dog did it. And all of your dogs, even though you live in the suburb, you give them two minutes out in the yard with something gross, they'll be licking it and eating it. That's what dogs do. Uh, just remember that next time they, they kiss you, all right? Uh, next time you let them lick your face, that if they've, they've been around anything disgusting, they've been licking it. But I was crazy that we'd see puddles, my dog, eating out of the gutter. But that's how God has to feel with us. How many times do we eat out of the gutter? How many times do we do the same thing? The same thing, right? And the key, the key is that they resolved. Daniel and his, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we saw last week that they resolved. If we don't resolve, if we don't make up our minds, the, the, the world will make up our minds for us, won't it? They'll make up our mind. It's the little compromises that lead to bigger compromises. And, and it makes it that much easier to cave in and vice versa. It's the little victories. It's the little battles that we fight that we win that lead to bigger victories and battles. And we're going to see this as we go in the next chapter of Daniel. Some really big battles, chapter 3, chapter 6, all kinds of huge battles that they're going to have to face. But it's these little victories or little compromises that lead to more compromises or bigger victories. Now, we come to, he, we know he resolved not to do this, but then he had to figure out a way out of this, and he uses tact. I call this compromising without compromise. How to, how to compromise without compromising our faith. And, and he, he figured out how to do this. He didn't compromise his faith. Look what he says here. Now, uh, Daniel resolved, verse, I'll start with verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. 
Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And he really would. Nebuchadnezzar was known for chopping people's heads off. The guy was brutal. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, he said to this guy, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So, all right, so we see, what do we learn from Daniel here? First of all, he's courteous. He's courteous. He's not obnoxious. He's not rebellious. He's courteous. And he offered an alternative to the guy in charge. The guy's afraid of losing his head, getting fired at least, but probably losing his head. And Daniel could have lost his head too. It was, this was a very courageous stand, but da- Daniel gave him an alternative, an alternative. In 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, 15 talks about the same attitude that we're supposed to have. In verse 15, First uh, Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. That's what we should have. We should have this this that gentleness and respect. That's what we should have. Now sometimes we do that and we still get blasted. That's okay. Take your lumps. We still have to take our lumps. We're called to do that. In fact, in Acts 5, talks about this very thing. In Acts 5, where they, t- they take a stand, Peter and the other apostles replied. They're being threatened by, by, well, I'll start with verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. You have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. So they were courteous, they, but they took a, a courageous stand, but they are courteous. But look what happens, verse 40. Hit, uh, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So even though they did everything respectfully, they were still flogged. They were still threatened. All right. But, but the key is make sure it's the message and not the messenger. Make sure it's what we're saying and not how we're saying it. Make sure that's very, very important. That's what we see here with Daniel. So Daniel puts his faith to the test. He puts his faith to the test and look at 14, to, uh, let's look at verses 14 to 16 to see what happens. Uh, okay, so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So for 10 days, they ate nothing but it, the, the word literally means grown from the ground. Only what was grown from the ground. Vegetables, obviously, but also probably grains and cereals. Now, vegetarians love this passage. They love to use this passage. Uh, and there's been many famous vegetarians. I was, I saw some, uh, seven famous vegetarians here. Bet you didn't know these. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, Buddha, figures, Plato, 
Henry David Thoreau, Sir Isaac Newton, Thomas Edison, Thomas Edison and Leonardo da Vinci. So some famous uh, vegetarians. So if you're vegetarian, you get some good company there. But the issue, the, the vegetables were not the issue here. That wasn't the issue. They ate meat when they were in Israel. That was, meat was fine in moderation, should be in moderation, but meat was fine in moderation. The issue was not com compromising by eating this meat that was sacrificed to idols. Vegetables weren't sacrificed to idols, but the meat was. And this is really about faithful living. And the, also, they weren't eating a balanced diet in Babylon. It was way too rich. It was, they glutted on this rich, unhealthy food. That was another big issue. So, but the really thing, the real thing was faithful living, not eating the, the meat sacrificed to the idols. So Daniel's test was a success in two ways. In two ways. They didn't compromise their faith. Very important. And they were much healthier, which showed up right away. They were much healthier both ways. This was a supernatural blessing. In only 10 days this happened. It was a supernatural blessing and a, a spiritual lesson for all of us. Those who trust in God and live His way are way better off. Way better off. In fact, they've done studies, lots of different scientific studies where they studied people with faith and people without faith and, and compared their lives and their health and their emotional stability, uh, health, all these different things. And study after study has proven over and over again that people of faith, people that follow the Bible, people that believe in God and, and have a relationship with them are far, far healthier. Study after study after study. Now, I'm sure, I'm not sure that the rest of the trainees appreciated this test because they ended up taking away all their party food. All of their food. Took it all away. They had to eat the, 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 what was grown from the ground, the vegetables and the meat, the grains and the, and the, the cereals. They had to eat all that too and water instead of wine. I'm sure they weren't happy to have their party food taken away. That's probably why they tried to get Daniel eaten by lions in chapter six, as we'll see. I'm sure that's probably had something to do with the root of it at least. But look at the result of them taking the stand and what God did then. Verse 17 to these Four young men, these four young men who took a stand, who resolved, who lived faithfully, who lived pure. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God could trust them and entrust them with special gifts because they had proved faithful in the small things, now they're giving much bigger things. Verse 18, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Wow, God bless them. God bless them. Can he bless us? Are we blessable? Can God use us? Have we passed the tests so they could really use us, really face some serious tests, really use us in a powerful way? Are we blessable? Have we, or have we compromised our faith? How have we compromised our faith? How do we need to respond to God's conviction? Are we going along with the world are we acting the same way and saying the same things and believing the same things? Are we eating the world's junk physically and spiritually, just 
swallowing whatever they throw our way. And with our, our kids, I've, I've done this many, many times. I heard it a long time ago, and I've always used it with our kids. That They'll say, well, why can't I watch this movie? It just has a little bit of X, Y, and Z in it. Or why can't I go to this party because it'll only have an... And they'll, they'll, we'll, we'll stick to the movie thing. And I'll say, this is why. How about if I have your mom make some brownies? Some chocolate brownies. You want that? Oh, yeah, that'd be great, yeah. But I'm going to take... I'm going to take some of the cat litter out, some of the poop in the cat litter, some of the cat poop, and I'm going to put it into the brownies and have her cook it. And and then we're going to cook that in with the brownies. You're going to be excited about that? Oh, no. I go, yeah, but it's just a little bit. Most of the brownies will be fine. It's just going to be a little bit of poop, and you don't even know where you'll be getting it. It's just a little bit. Most of the brownies will be great. Want to eat it? No, disgusting, gross. But we do the same thing, don't we? We won't touch those brownies, but we do that every time we watch something or read something or listen to something or that has has a little bit of poop in it, a little bit of, you know, spiritual, you know, uh, something gross. How about us? How about us? What are we? What are we? What are we eating in our brownies? In our t- on the TV or the movies or the computer or the phone or listening to gossip or jokes or drugs, just a little bit of alcohol, over- misusing sexual sin, whatever, whatever it is. What? How are we eating brownies that are tainted brownies? Now, next time in chapter two, and this is all really setting up chapter two, we're going to see how important it was for them to pass these tests because it's preparing them for a much bigger test. And we're going to see that in two, three, six, all the way through. And we'll see the first prophecies next week. Wow. Wait till you see these amazing prophecies that Daniel is given in chapter two. Don't miss this next one. But it was so important for them to pass these tests, just like we will face tests in our life, especially as we get closer to the time of Jesus Christ's return. We've already talked about that. Mark 13, Matthew 24. It's getting closer. The, the, the birth pains. The uh, contractions increasing in intensity and getting close together. We're getting closer to the time of Jesus' return. We know what's coming. There's some huge tests coming our way. Are we ready for them? But the biggest test, the first step, the first test that we all must face is have we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Have we given our life to Jesus Christ? John 3.16 talks about that. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus Christ, given your life to Jesus Christ? Let's pray. And as I end every sermon I've ever preached, I ask the same question. Are you ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever come to God and say, God, I repent of my sin. I repent of my old life. I repent of all the garbage that I've eaten and, and, and listened to and let poison me. I repent of that. I turn away from that. I walk away from that. Because I'm putting my I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ, your son. I believe he died on the cross for me. Your one and only Son, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I put my faith, I believe in Jesus, I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Jesus. What He did on the cross, I'm trusting in that death for me. 
I'm trusting in his resurrection from the dead for me to give me a brand new life. I put my faith in Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith and you have just taken the first step in your spiritual journey, you have just, you have just passed the first and most important test, and that's the test of salvation. And you now have life in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer, to let somebody know. Tell somebody, a family member or a friend who are Christians, you can email me. I'll connect you to, I'll be excited for you and help you grow, help you find a good Bible study, a good church. Uh, you can email me, nhcc at comcast.net. I'll get you connected. For those who have already put our faith in Jesus, how is God speaking to us? How have we compromised? How have we failed a test? How have we eaten? Maybe we've been in the gutter. Maybe we've been eating the brownies, you know, and we, God is convicting us of something that we need to cut out, purify, so that we're ready for the test, so that we're ready to be blessed, ready so that He could fully use us. Father, I pray for every one of us that we would have put our faith in you, making sure of that. And second of all, that we're going to live by that faith. That, Lord, whatever it takes, to, whatever we need to cut out of our life, whatever it is, Lord, that would prepare us so that you could bless us and use us and so that we could face the, the real tests that are coming our way. I pray that each person be ready for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, get ready. Put on your seatbelts for chapter two. It's going to be wild. Chapter two.